Hey everyone, this is Todd Stewart, and welcome back to another episode of In The Know, a dispatch-powered podcast where we dive into everything that is customer-focused and customer-driven. And today, we're focusing on how enterprises can use predictive analytics to better serve their customers. And this particular episode is different for a couple reasons. I'm thrilled because of it. So first, number one, this is our first guest on the show, and number two, our guest is an absolute rock star. So please welcome Brian Bell Jr., who you can find on Twitter at Brian Bell Jr. That is B-R-I-A-N-B-E-L-L-J-R. He is the lead software engineer and team manager of data science at Data Robot, a machine learning platform for data scientists to build accurate predictive models in a fraction of the time that it takes today. This is a revolutionary product that experts are saying could fundamentally change the data science field for good. Brian graduated from MIT with a master's of engineering in machine learning, electrical engineering, and computer science. He recently spent a year on the MIT teaching staff for tackling the challenges of big data, which is the name of his course. It was offered by the MIT professional education. Professionally, he was a researcher in machine learning with MIT's evolutionary design and optimization group and worked as a data analyst in finance and medicine. Recently, he gave talks at the ODSC, which stands for the Open Data Science Conference in Boston and San Francisco, and the PyCon Conference, which was in Ukraine and Belarus. So he is asked to speak all around the world. And now Brian is at Data Robot. And all of this is precisely why we are very excited to get him on the show today. So without any further ado, please welcome today's guest, Brian Bell Jr. Well, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's really great to be here. So I've been looking forward to this interview. Uh, big data, machine learning, predictive analytics, algorithms, all these buzzwords we hear in the news, we hear in or we read in newspapers, they're being used left and right. And a lot of times I think people just throw around these terms and they don't necessarily know sort of the background behind big data or predictive analytics. Uh, for example, I was in a room, uh, this was a couple years ago, and somebody said, big data will solve our problem. And they were like swinging their arms, pounding the table, and, and then there was just crickets afterwards because nobody really knew how to respond to it because nobody knew how big data could have helped them. Uh, so that is exactly why we're here talking to you today because you are the expert in this space and we want to pick your brain. Glad to be here. We hear that a lot. So um, I'd like to start off uh, this episode just by getting to know you a little bit more. So what is something that uh, people don't necessarily know about you? Um, in my spare time, I really like to bike. I bike everywhere around the Boston area. Love long trips, short trips, uh, rain, snow, sleet. And I work as a spin instructor on the side just for fun, just to kind of get that edge and then bike with a bunch of friends to some great music. So you're saying that you haven't taken a day off this year? You're saying off the air? Yeah, except for days when I don't want to leave my bike downtown because I'm flying out of Logan. I've biked every other day. You work at Data Robot. What is Data Robot? Data Robot is a company building the world's leading automated machine learning platform. By that, I mean... We want to take everything that a data scientist does in the enterprise and then make it really, really, really easy to do 
so that it's not you know, prone to mistakes, that it's extremely reliable. And data scientists can really focus on solving extremely difficult business problems that they have. Start focusing on how the model adds value and maybe focus less on like how to connect this Python thing to this R thing all the time. So you've been in the space for a little while. What brought you into the data science field and how long have you been with DataRobot? I've been with DataRobot for going on three years, but I've always been a data geek. So before I even got into computer science, I was uh, an econ geek and I just loved economic data. And it's weird to say, but I was one of those kids that was on the Fed's website, like downloading graphs and finding data sets, trying to figure out what was going on. When you say kid, what what age is that? Uh, 12. I had like a little E-Trade account and I was just so obsessed with, you know, what's going on with like macro trends and where's the interest rate going. And from there, and that econ bug, then I started to really dig into, you know, how can I take some of the info that I have or hunches that I have and then automate it or do things with it. You know, once you have data, then, you know, it's not very satisfying just to play with it in Excel. You want to be able to process it at scale. You want to process it really fast. You don't want to have to do all the little stuff and that gets frustrating quickly. So then I started to code and got really into computer science. And in computer science, the interesting problems were the ones dealing with data. There are really cool apps out there doing amazing things that are making everyone's lives better. But I think the ones that are most interesting are the ones that tell you more about the thing that you're trying to do and help you improve. And to do that, you have to be data-driven. Otherwise, you're just guessing. So then I kind of tapped into the, the data geek part again. And while working um, in grad school, I was just really, really struck by all the amazing things happening in the field. Um, the rise of Kaggle, really cool algorithms being developed. You know, when XGBoost was new on the scene, it kind of changed the game in terms of getting accuracy on a lot of like important data sets coming out of insurance or banking and whatnot. Um, neural nets and deep learning were coming to the fore and then people were processing video and images and getting success for the first time and doing really amazing things with object recognition, um, convolutional neural nets. And from there, I was like, I have to get involved in this space. And then I started looking for the right company and DataRobot was the right company. So let's dive into the meat of everything. So machine learning and data science. We hear these terms thrown around a lot. What is the difference between the two? Machine learning is a tool. And I would say data science is the practice or the field that uses all those tools. You know, machine learning is the really, really useful you know, multi-tool or, or ratchet in your toolbox, but it's definitely not the only tool that a data scientist would use. So I would say that, you know, while doing data science, you may use um, a visualization tool like Tableau, um, but you also may use machine learning and you may use those together or you may use those apart just as, you know, when using physical tools, you may use things together or apart to get a project done. Is there a finite sort of uh, number of tools in this world of data science? They're inventing new tools every day. 
No, there's definitely not a, a finite number of tools, which is, I think, why, you know, structuring the data science field and c comprehending that is really important because you realize that, okay, as new tools emerge, depending on what problem I'm trying to solve, um, one of the value adds of having a data scientist in your organization who knows what they're doing is that you know what tools to pick. Just like if you hired a contracting firm to work on a particular job on your house, you would trust a stellar contractor to pick the right tools and pick the right materials to accomplish the aim that you both have decided you mutually want to accomplish. So now that we have a better sense of the difference between machine learning and data science, I do think it's important to understand sort of the ballpark that we're playing in when we're talking about data science. So what are the questions that companies, more specifically like an enterprise company, what are questions that they can answer with data science? And then what are questions that they cannot answer? There are a lot of questions that, you know, you can successfully answer. You know, we work with a lot of people who are successfully answering questions like who's likely to churn um, for my SaaS business? What, what transactions are likely to be fraudulent if I'm a credit card company, if I am a, you know, lender, which loans are most likely to default and um, help me basically balance risk so that I can create an excellent loan portfolio. If I am, say, a healthcare product company or a financial company, I want to do direct marketing. I want to know which customers are the best targets to upsell so that I can give them the right materials um, and really maximize my lift there and also not waste people's time or waste the goodwill of my brand. In terms of questions that you can't answer, I would say those questions are um, ones where you know you don't have enough data collected or it's really impossible to map out the, the space of scenarios and the influencing factors. For example, if you know you're trying to predict the stock market and Donald Trump tweets about a company that you're tracking, well, unless you know Donald Trump's content of tweets and regularity of tweets is in your data set several years back, and then all the other crazy things that can affect stock prices, like floods, um, like changes in like base commodity prices, uh, additional drilling of wells on the oil price, like at that point you're just you know, you've got as many factors as the world is round and the problem becomes too complex to handle. The, the, so, the list goes on and on in that case. Yeah. I think we find that um, a lot of the situations where people sort of have hunches and are successfully um, predicting something already are areas where machine learning can take the efforts that they're already doing and just give them huge lift. So I think that's a good heuristic. If, if you know, people um, in your organization are trying to predict the amount of tomatoes that are going to grow this year and they're seeing some success, then you can probably be wildly successful with machine learning. So it's not necessarily the question that's asked. It's more of the variables that are at stake. Exactly. It's the variables that are at stake. And it's um, basically a, a sense of how... How much do I understand about the thing that I'm trying to drive and predict? And I think this is why data scientists that are really effective um, are ones who marry the knowledge of computer science and machine learning with deep domain knowledge. 
you know, they if they weren't if they didn't have the data science knowledge, they could be uh, a top ten percent salesman in their space, or they could be a, a business leader working on partnerships or something because they understand what um, drives the metrics that they care about. And they understand it to a level where they could make a spreadsheet and then tell you whether something is healthy or not healthy because they know what to look for. And then when you operationalize that and you automate it, you let that one um, you know, person's knowledge just help your entire organization. And that's called leverage. And that's what technology is supposed to do. And that's where you guys come into play. Yeah. I can imagine that enterprises come to you asking some pretty interesting things. I would love to know what is the wildest question that an enterprise has asked you um, and were you guys able to help them out with it? We have gotten some wild ones. Uh, I'll pivot that over to saying one of the really fun ones uh, has been, you know, we've helped a couple huge baseball teams that you know we've all heard of but I won't mention uh, predict performance of players and prospects and so it's really cool to sit where we're sitting and you know see uh, a set of tools which are helping banks and insurance companies you know improve sales work on you know crushing fraud work on you know improving internal processes and then also watch it, you know, be the driver of saber metrics on the baseball field and a very different industry. But, you know, when you think about the data play and what I was mentioning earlier about knowing your field and and whatnot, it makes a lot of sense. Moneyball 2.0. Moneyball 2.0. Exactly. Out of all the business questions that come to you guys, are there any types of business challenges that are best addressed with data science and machine learning? I think we really need to, with any like business problem or any kind of like business initiative, you need to just ask whether the potential for like movement in the thing you're trying to predict will really impact your business. Uh, there's a ton of things to optimize in a company and there's never enough time. So the, the really high value projects are going to be the ones that focus on the bottlenecks in your process. Is your bottleneck figuring out you know, something about your customers or some sort of segmentation? Is your bottleneck figuring out whether to hit them with messaging A or messaging B? Um, is your bottleneck figuring out, you know, which suppliers are the best? And then given, you know, a set of really good suppliers, making sure you reward those and then making sure that maybe you restructure your deals with suppliers that, you know, aren't moving the metrics that you think are most important. So I would say that, you know, the, the sea of things to optimize and improve with data is so huge. And the thing that will, will often determine whether something is just, you know, a rampant success or something that's like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool, is picking something that drives your bottom line or your top line growth. For a company that is listening right now and says, oh, this is great. I want to either pump more money into the data science initiatives or I want to start really putting fire behind this. What are some of the misconceptions that companies have of data science that, that you can help address right now? 
Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that can limit people when allocating budget to data science is um, sort of the misconception that the machine learning is the, the magic bullet here and forgetting the entire rest of the data pipeline in practice. We find that it's super, super important for a company to have great policies around um, data collection and cleanliness, making sure that you're collecting data often, making sure that you're collecting and gathering data from different sources across the company that you think may drive a particular metric. Um, for example, if you think that three departments might have a hand in you know, predicting something, but you only have data for two, then you are potentially leaving a significant part of the picture out and you know, leaving yourself at risk of getting mediocre results or even at-risk predictions where you're predicting things going, coming from the third department, but you haven't trained on any of that data coming in. So I would say that um, sort of taking the big picture and realizing that the machine learning is one part of driving the car forward, you know, data robot you could see as you know one amazing engine inside the your race car and you know by having the best engine you might be able to go really fast but if you don't have a good chassis then you're not going anywhere you can buy the best engine off the market but it won't make a great race car without all the other pieces so you need a great foundation really to to make the machine learning shine and you know you don't want to say that the machine learning isn't, you know, basically giving you the lift that you want if you haven't kind of fed in the original assumptions that you need. I'd love to talk about machine learning techniques. Are there specific kinds, are there specific types that are most effective that companies should address or that you guys like to go to the most? I mean, I think the most effective techniques lie around um, partitioning your data in careful ways. And then I would say um, ensembling on the, the back end. So those are things that you do um, at the very beginning of your data science process and at the very end, which can add a huge amount of value. When I say partitioning, I mean making sure that the data that you're testing with looks like the real world. How, how do you make sure that it's a realistic view? That's something that you have to rely on your domain knowledge to, to give you. A quick example, in ad tech, it's very common for us to see something like uh, you know a huge some sort of huge imbalance between positive and negative cases. Uh, it's well known in online advertising that less than 1% of people may click your online ad. So you want to make sure that when you are evaluating your model and during every stage in the process, you keep that in mind and you um, balance your data such that your model can get a, a look at some of those positive cases, even though they are you know, not that prevalent in the data set, while also making sure that you test and evaluate your model in a real world situation um, where most of the cases are negative and most people are not clicking your ad. And then looking at those results and splitting them up based on the positive and negative cases and saying, 
is my model a naive model? Is it just saying they won't click all the time, which still gives me 99% accuracy, even though your model just says no, you know, it's a one-liner. But looking at that and saying, oh, the model is really good at saying no, but then when it sees the right stuff, it says yes in a surprising number of cases. And so it can actually intelligently decide when someone's going to click the ad or not. And that's what I mean by, you know, providing good tests. Really, machine learning comes down to giving the um, system really good kind of experiments um, that help it learn about the, the data and the world that it's looking at. So you came with some pretty interesting findings in the service enterprise space, and, and I'd love to review these. So what are some top tips for how enterprises can better improve their customer experience with uh, pr predictive analytics? So I think that really spans from the first contact all the way through um, the entire customer experience. So, you know, you could deliver, um, you could deploy machine learning to basically help customers find the right person in your org for the first contact. That way they don't sort of meet that frustration when it comes to working with, say, a sales rep or support person who, you know, doesn't know their exact use case or account or vertical that well. And then in terms of delivering incredible business value, you can forecast, you can provide insights. We see um, a lot of cases where businesses are able to provide more accurate pricing, which can help them pass on savings to the customer or invest in the future of the business. That's huge. Um, do better customer segmentation um, for marketing, for customer service, so that you can get customers in the door, figure out which ones are you know, kicking the tires versus which ones are going to be very successful with your product, um, making sure that they stay happy and reducing churn by figuring out from their actions what categories they fall into or figuring out what messaging to send them, whether this is a customer that you upsell or this is a customer that you send them a coupon because you want to keep them and you think they're at risk. Those are you know very different actions. And if you don't know your customers and you're not scoring with the right machine learning, you may not be able to do that. And you know your numbers and your revenues may fall because of it. Um, and then things like you know predicting capacity in the future. So you can help a hospital make sure they have enough doctors and nurses on staff at different times to make sure that you know, service doesn't break down. And that's stuff that AI enables us to do that, you know, we weren't able to do before so that, you know, we can basically make sure customers come in and are treated uh, really well. So I'd imagine that that changes pretty dramatically from a B2B company versus a B2C company as far as delivering great customer experiences. How have you seen that change from a B2B company to a B2C? So I think with B2B, there tends to be um, you know, bigger sales numbers. And so there can be sometimes some high touch or long sales processes and providing value during the sales process can be huge. You know, if you can provide some projections that, that give value there, or if you can kind of use machine learning to um, offer that value in turn based on some limited data given by the customer, it really can, can put your firm ahead. When you say value, can you give like an example of that? Um, I'll use I'll use B two C for for 
a quick example of value. So for example, let's say that I run a Twitter dashboard SaaS company um, and I want to help my customers make better decisions by um, projecting how many followers they'll have on Twitter and then using something like our Reason Codes pr uh, product to tell them why. So you might be able to tell your users using data robot and machine learning that you know they're most likely to um, you know get ten thousand followers next month, and the reason why is because their engagement is super high. You know they post ten times a day, they post at the right time in the morning and the right time in the evening when people are checking, um, something like that. Versus another reason that you might be able to deliver with the prediction might be, oh, the real reason why you're going to get 10,000 followers is because you're tweeting about data science and machine learning, and that's a really hot space. And it doesn't matter whether you tweet once a day or 10 times a day. People are searching for that. They're following everyone in sight. So you know, you're likely to get those numbers there. Or maybe you're not tweeting at all or tweeting about the right stuff, and you're going to be followed by 10,000 people because you were just you know, retweeted by Kanye West. You know, that's all stuff. Imagine that, waking up to that in the morning. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just inbox full. Maybe you took down Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, another example would be, um, let's say you're giving people reasons why their credit score is high or low. And one thing that might happen is, oh, you know, I would expect my credit to be super high because... Um, I pay bills on time all the time and I have zero credit card debt. And since I opened my credit card, I've paid the bill in full every single time. Um, I have credit history. So what's the deal? Why don't I have perfect credit? And it might be, oh, the real reason why you don't have perfect credit might be because you have student loans or um, you just opened a brand new credit card or something like that. So I think that's a lot of insight that adds value that you know, businesses can can use to directly improve customer experiences, and it also goes to things like you know, there's a lot of companies using machine learning to do better fitting in the clothing space, where you know you can take a picture and then they'll use deep learning to figure out the right sizing, and basically use that to provide a delightful customer experience, which is way better than buying something that's kind of in like a squished, scaled, recolored photo on Amazon. So. The, the possibilities are, are really rich for improving customer experiences and keeping customers really happy and differentiating businesses that might seem very similar um, and making them yeah, wildly different with the power of machine learning. So that seems like it's a lot on the B2C. How, how can a B2B organization like really, really benefit from this? So I think a B2B organization can really benefit by... Um, tracking and say delivering value in terms of client interactions. So you want to be able to say look at different deals that uh, a business has made or say look at different contractors that they have and maybe look at, okay, what's happening um, in the field? Why are you know different contractors seeing different performance metrics? Um, providing reasons for, for why that is maybe reasons for driving improvement. Um, let companies sort of take in that intelligence that you can provide them with machine learning and then help them make decisions about which you know, partners that they have they should reward 
and then which ones they should say restructure their deals with so that the incentives are more in line with the results that they want. Um, it can be, yeah, hugely valuable because it's tough to kind of take the sea of small interactions, which might look like outliers themselves and then find trends. You specifically, I'd love to know what are your most successful beta projects and why were they successful? Um, I'll take one of the fun ones. Uh, one of the most fun projects that I worked on was just gathering data to predict um, lineups for fantasy football. And that's a fun project because there's like a time component. There is, you know, a component of the unknown because you have players that are drafted that might start and there's injuries and things like that. Um, there's also a really interesting thing where you can do kind of a prediction that you use for further predictions um, where you can say predict the strength of a particular team given its track record and then use that opponent's strength number in prediction for the outcome for the players that you're projecting in the lineup so it's a pretty complex problem and it's very tough to um to to track your results without actually putting it into the lineup and so kind of you're you're pretty invested when you're working on this problem your money is on the line if you're playing in a league but i did win my league so maybe that says good things oh, so maybe you can help me out because i usually just kind of close my eyes and say yeah let's start this person this person this person maybe let's <laughs> let's check next year <laughs> um now, what are some real-world examples of how data science and machine learning have increased revenue, sort of reduced costs, improved key metrics for enterprises? Can can you talk to some examples in, on that side? I can't talk to any you know direct examples like naming companies and whatnot, but I can talk about verticals. So we're seeing definitely savings across the fraudulent transactions market in fintech in banking, basically anything with payments, we can really analyze and then figure out, okay, how can we reduce costs here? How can we find the stuff we should avoid? And then same with direct marketing. Then in healthcare, things like figuring out who's gonna be readmitted to the hospital is very key because there's regulatory metrics around, um, you know, can you pay for care if someone comes back for the same thing tomorrow? And, and when you say who, are you actually going down to an individual level or are you saying a person that kind of generally looks like this? Uh, no, going down to an individual level and then saying for this exact person with this history and this, you know, recent stay in the hospital and their prior conditions, the exact um, you know, number of procedures they've gotten and which procedures they've gotten, exactly which meds they're on, um, the free text that's in their, their medical notes saying, oh no, this person is a very high risk patient and we should make sure that they stay in the hospital. And that's something that, yeah, can improve metrics across healthcare. And, and that's the same because you also previously mentioned like a company can get a better customer profile and, and better segment their customers. Mm -hmm. Does that also go down to the individual level or is that more on the lines of like, hey, we have uh, innovative Ian and this type of person does this and 
you know, how specific do you get in that case? Definitely down to the individual level. So on an individual level, we provide people with the prediction itself, which tells you the outcome, you know, whether it's like a yes or a no, do they fit in this group? Will they be readmitted or not? Or um, are they a good fit or not? As well as say the how much, like how valuable is this customer? For example, if you're working in the advertising space, it's really important to know when you're bidding on ads, what's the lifetime value of this customer? And so you can take that exact data profile and then you can score it with your machine learning model and say, oh, um, based on the profile of this customer that we're bidding on you know, Google ads for, they're actually worth $300 to us. And you know maybe they're a really expensive customer to get because they have high disposable income, and Google knows a lot about them, and this and this and that. Um, you know they live in Silicon Valley. You know they bought a Tesla last year, whatever it is. And then you know you may bid a lot for that ad, but the lifetime value of that customer is humongous to you, so it's worth it, and it's way better than bidding at random. So yeah, I would say that across industries, we're just seeing yeah so many great use cases. You know, sometimes within the same company, we'll find 40 use cases for machine learning and do POCs in parallel and just see crazy success with groups that are outside the realms of traditional data science application and watch people's eyes light up when they're like, whoa, I didn't know, you know, there was a way for me to use machine learning. You know, maybe they expected, okay, if we just like brought in a team of people, you know, bring in a consulting firm, we can build a model and then, you know, it won't be maintainable because every six months we'll have to hire that firm again or something. And they just see, oh, wait, this is within my grasp and, you know, I can really make this um, operational inside my group and that's exciting. And then they feel like they're part of the future. This is a final question before I, I want to let everybody know like how they can get in contact with you. But on, on behalf of like data robot, if uh, like, say I am an enterprise and, and you said, this is what you guys need to work with us. Uh, what would you say? Here's like X, Y, and Z that you guys should have on your end before they reach out to you. I would say the most important things are a willingness to, um, you know, ask hard questions of your data practice and collect a, a data set that you think can drive a problem. And then second, think tough about the problems that matter. Because, you know, when we work with a customer, it just means so much when we start off a POC and we're like, if we solve this problem together, then it's going to be a huge win-win you're going to see millions of dollars of you know, revenue growth or savings in this business area. Um, and we're going to be able to really revolutionize how you do business rather than you know, optimize something that's small or out of the way as a, a test case. You know, it might seem counterintuitive. You don't want to throw your, your core business data into a, a test case. But actually, the thing that you want to experiment most with should be your um, you know biggest drivers. You, you, you need to look at the bottlenecks, and with that bottleneck, try to innovate and then solve it. So we want to take the most modern tools and then see if we can solve old problems. So it seems like the biggest thing that enterprises can walk away with is to be able to get more transparent data so that they can better predict sort of the outcomes that they want. And 
formulating the most important business problems into tractable things that we can solve in an analytical basis. How can they get in contact with you? The best way to get in contact with me is to email me. That's brian.bell at datarobot.com, B-R-I-A-N dot B-E-L-L. Cool. Awesome. Brian, thanks for coming today. This was a lot of yeah, fun. Thanks for having me. And I love to talk about this. So it's fun to be on the show. To everyone listening to today's episode, you can find out everything we discussed on the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me. There you'll also find all the links needed to learn more about Data Robot and Brian and anything we discussed on the show. Remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you like this episode, we would love it if you could please leave us a review on iTunes. As always, thanks for joining and we'll see you next episode.